Hey friends, chances are good that either you or someone you know has had a serious bout with anxiety. It can feel absolutely debilitating and quite frankly, hopeless. And God can seem really far away. Our guest today shares her struggle with anxiety and reminds us that we are not alone, even when we feel like we are. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 355, Kara Snyder and Hope Over Anxiety. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience, and I'm so glad you have joined us. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Let me remind you, by the way, for those of you who are regular listeners, thank you for joining along. If you're brand new to the show, uh, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, we have lots of things available for you. So if you go out to halfwaytherepodcast.com, what you can find is our show notes page. We'll see every single episode. Uh, 300 and maybe 50 plus episodes now that uh, you can check out. There's lots of things you looking for an experience. We probably have it. Uh, and you can hear how God's walked with someone through those kinds of experiences, something maybe what you're going through, including the show notes for this page where we'll have links to everything, our guest, anything else we mention and uh, a few other things as well. So be sure to go check that out. Also there, there is a Patreon button that says that's just available for you if you want to help, if you want to support support the show on a, on a financial basis, on a monthly basis, it's all there. You can do that. Click that Patreon button. We appreciate the help uh, for sure. All right, let's dive into our conversation. I've been excited about this conversation because uh, our guest, she's a speaker, author, coach, and podcaster, one of my fellow podcasters. Uh, she has a new book coming out. It's a children's picture picture book called There's an Elephant on My Chest. That sounds painful. We'll have to talk about that. Our guest is Karis Snyder. Karis, welcome to Halfway There. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I am so excited. I've seen you around, like we were saying, on uh, on social. And we got a chance to meet in person a couple of weeks ago. And that was great. Uh, and then you're publishing a book. So I'm really excited to hear all about that as well. That's kind of the broad strokes about who you are. Tell us a little more about where you are right now, where God has you. Absolutely. So my family and I, we live in Alabama. So if any of your listeners hear that accent, that's where that is from. I am a speaker and an author I have been doing this, walking in this calling, I guess, that God has put on my life for the last, goodness, since 2018. So how long is that? Maybe- That's like five uh, years. Five years. Yeah. yeah. See, my, the coffee wasn't working yet. So about <laughs> five years. And I speak and write quite a bit just on my own journey of what God has brought me through and overcoming specifically anxiety and depression. Um, back in 2011, that almost took my life. I hit the bottom of the bottom, you know, where I felt worthless, hopeless, useless, and purposeless. My husband and I were leaders in our church. We were worship leaders at the time. I was a master of the mask. Maybe some of you can relate, mm -hmm. right? Everything looked perfect on the outside, but on the inside, I was just being crushed by shame, oh, yeah. fear, that pain of anxiety. My daughter, who's 14 now, was two at the time, living her best toddler life, had no idea. Uh, what was going on. And so God just began to pull me up out of a pit of darkness to show me just through him, the hopefulness that we have, the worth that we have within ourselves and, and showing me just that, that purpose and the use that he has, has put in my life and how he used that dark place for good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm sure that's a whole story and we'll get to that. Yeah. So you're, you're using that, um, now, which I think is so powerful. Absolutely. We need, we need to hear those stories and we need to speak openly and honestly about anxiety. You know, people, I don't know if you, maybe you're like me and you've got the, a lifetime of church references to do not fear. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, but tell me how to do that. Cause that ain't working. Right. So we, we need to get into that, uh, much more deeply and think about how that actually works. Um, well, I want to go back into your story and we'll get hopefully to, to that story and then to get how you, how you wrote uh, this book and yeah. what that, uh, what you're hoping to do with it. Uh, so are you from Alabama? Are you from, is that where you grew up? So I tell people technically I am from Mississippi. My oh. mom, I have a twin brother, by the way, we are one minute apart. I am the oldest. Uh, I don't hold that over his head as much anymore. When we were younger, I definitely <laughs> I held that over you. 
just said. <laughs> that one minute um, of leverage. That yeah. One minute, man. <laughs> um, so we were born in Tupelo, Mississippi on New Year's Eve. My dad was like, yes, tax break, just bringing it right in, you know, right at the end of the year. And then six weeks later, we moved to Alabama. Um, so we lived in Mississippi for six weeks. So technically, I say I'm from Alabama because I, I have been no other other place besides here other than uh, being go. born in Mississippi. Yeah. Well, is that like uh, Colorado? So I live in Colorado and you're not a native unless you were born here. So like we have a son. We moved here six months after he was born. Doesn't can't claim it. Right. So he's like, although he just bought a Subaru. So I feel like he fits in now. I feel like he can. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it counts. So. <laughs> so that's great. Okay. So you're growing up in Mississippi. This is the heart of the Bible belt, right? Mm-hmm. So that's right. Uh, it was a Christian family. And I'm assuming either way, you had some sort of Christian influence in your life. Yes. So my, we were a Christian family. My mom and dad made sure we were in church all the time. You know, my mom gave us, my twin brother and I, my older brother, this this beautiful example of the power of prayer. She was a prayer warrior. Um, and when people within our church had prayer needed, you know, a prayer team, they would call on my mom. Um, so she just believed in that. I still have images of her when I would get up in the mornings to get ready for school. She would be sitting at our kitchen table with her Bible out and a notebook out. And we would see our names. We would see our names in there. And she had prayers and things that she was praying for us. You know, my dad worked for the railroad. We were a single income family because my mom stayed home. And so when he was at home, he would be in church as often as he could be. So that it was very much a part of our life. You know, I, I we grew up vacation Bible school was, you know, the jam where it was at. That's where we were for the summers. And yep. I, I will never forget my mom one night bringing my twin brother and I home and just kneeling beside my bed and leading us to Christ, leading Mm. us through that prayer of salvation. So it has been a part of my life since always, since I can remember. Was that after a a VBS time? Yes, it was after a VBS time. Yeah. Yeah. And she, it was so interesting because the track that she had, do you remember the precious moments, little oh, figurines? Yeah. yeah. It was a precious moments. Like it was these little precious moments, figurines down on that child level, you know? Mm-hmm. So she, uh, she led us through that, led us through the sinner's prayer. And uh, it was, I still remember that. I get chills thinking about how just the Holy Spirit met us there and just that, that moment of salvation, sharing that with our family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Okay. So this, how old were you then? I was eight. Eight. I was eight okay. years old. Yeah. All right. So you're in grade school still. All right. So then right. how, how did your faith start to become your own? Cause that's what I'm interested in. Like mm. always, you know, you, it's one thing when you're, when it's part of your family and you're, you're led there, but then at some point you have to start taking it seriously yourself and you have to start becoming a thing that, that you choose to, to walk out. When did that happen for you? Yeah, that, that is great. I, could I say it happened in moments through my life, like little pockets of moments, you know, even for me growing up as a teenager. So I was born with a mild form of cerebral palsy, uh, in my left side of my body. So I had to overcome, I had to overcome Mm -hmm. a lot. Now I get it. Everybody has those moments, but there were things that, that I had to work a little harder on. I had to do things a little bit differently, but always in those moments, there would be those times where I knew that, God was with me, that he loved me, um, that I would be constantly reminded that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. It had no, no, it didn't matter that I was made differently. Mm. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And so those moments as a teenager, God would be there for that. I lost a friend to a car wreck in eighth grade. So going through that grief, going through that, that's hard to go through as an adult, but to go through that, you know, as a teenager, he loved me. And he helped me through those moments. But I think, you know, as an adult, once, you know, I got married and, you know, I go back to those moments where I was just trying to be a master master of the mask, thinking that I had to be perfect. I had to have it all together. I had to have all these things. God began to unpack those false beliefs and began to kind of reload me with his truth, reload me with what what the Bible really says, you know, what, how his true thoughts about us. So there were those moments, those pockets where he helped me to grow and lean into his word. But, but going through that difficult time in my life, I think that's really where I experienced 
God and who he really was. Like it got messy. And I think he meets us there in the mess the most. 100%. So we talk a lot about the dark night of the soul. And it sounds like that season of life was a dark night for you. We'll get to that uh, for sure. But I'm really interested in that kind of getting there and what it was like in those kind of moments. Because those sort of formational moments when you were having to rely on the Lord or experiencing him in ways as you're developing is really, those are really foundational, right? They kind of become, they give us some of those things that we believe about God and his goodness, his ability to show for us, things like that. So um, like take me into some of those when you said you had to rely on the Lord as you were growing up, uh, you know, and you were aware of him being present. Was there a couple of those moments that stand out to you that you can share with us? Yeah. As a teenager, yeah, those, some of those moments. So, and you know, if I'm sure there are probably teens and families listening to this and I, I just want to say there are no too small moments for God and no too big moments, you know? And so I will never forget tried out for cheerleader. Okay. I wanted to be a cheerleader like all my other friends, but again, back to having some CP in the left side of my body, there were some things that I could not do that I was not prepared for. And, you know, you go in and you try out and I did not make it. I did not make it. And in those, that moment I was crushed, man. I was just like, there's something bad wrong with me. You know, I can't do things. I can't overcome, but I I can remember that God just kind of led me back to, you know, to his scriptures that he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. Back to, I know I mentioned Psalms 139, you know, that I was fearfully, wonderfully made. And then Philippians 3.14, and I know it gets used out of context all the time, but that I could do all things through Christ. I didn't have to do it through myself. I can't do all things through myself, yeah. but I can lean on Christ. And so- Were, were you yeah. aware of that at the time? Like, were, were you, was it, was that a verse that you were like holding on to and that you remember going to? Uh, that one I did greatly because my mom and dad all through my childhood would, would remind me of that because Mm. my dad, it was very important to my dad that I did not think my ability was defined by my disability, Mm -hmm. my ability to live life, my ability to go and do all the things, you know, that God may lead me to do that. I was not limited because of my disability. So they had spoken that scripture over me so much that now I'm a teenager and that's coming back to me that that truth, you know, that was grounded within my own spirit by my parents, just kind of watering that word within me over and over again. Does that make, am I saying that in a way that makes sense? It does. Okay. So then, but I want to, I want you to make this connection because it sounds like, so you tried out as a cheerleader, didn't get it because you couldn't do some of the things apparently. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't do all the things, right? That's right. so now you have to wrestle with the verse and go, okay, what does this mean? How does that, yeah. what does it actually mean? How'd, right. you, how'd you reconcile that? So I reconciled that I had to be okay with not being able to do all the things. Yeah. I had to be okay uh, with my imperfections. We are not good at that, right? We're not good at being okay with our imperfections. Uh, but I had to come to that in a way as a teenager that I could understand that. And then I had to, uh, come to this moment where I realized that I needed Christ. I needed to depend on him, on his strength. You know, when we're weak, then he can be strong for us. And so it just kind of began me on this journey of learning. I had to learn how to, how to do some things. I had to learn how to be an athlete. I had to learn how to do those cheer, you know, things that I needed to do. And so I didn't realize that going into that tryout, I just thought I would just, just make it because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I had to right. kind of learn, I had to grow. I had to bring some people into my life who had been, had already made that, you know, made the team and were further along and they could encourage me and help me to learn how to do the different things that I was not yet ready to do. So there was a period of growing, a season of growing and learning. And then after that, you know, I tried out again, you know, it pushed through that adversity and I did make the team. So and, but in that moment, it was like Jesus was trying to, to remind me, and I think our teenagers need this reminder even now, that my worth, his love for me had nothing to do with what I could or could not do. You know, that he loved me because he loved me, that he was my strength. Um, I didn't have to be all the strength. He, right. he was that for me. So I think those are some ways that I was able to learn that scripture. Yeah. 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 See, I, well, 
strikes me in all of that is it's one thing to say the scripture and to go, okay, I believe that, but then it's another thing to experience it and to go, okay, Mm -hmm. and to have to wrestle with it and go, okay, what does this mean? Right. Then how do I actually do this thing? He doesn't just give me magical abilities, right? That's right. That's good. He he gives me the moment, the opportunity to grow. And so that's what I hear you saying. And you had to work that out a little bit in a practical way. Right. Super powerful. I think I hear Christians sometimes take a verse like that and almost use it like a magic saying, right? Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, and it's, but it's not. So I love that example of no, and you had to learn that. And so then this becomes a base for your faith, right? For your, right. for your growth. Okay. Were there any others you wanted to share there before we go, before we. That was good. Um, I was sitting here as you were thinking, another one popped in my mind. This not, not as a child, but just going through this, those dark, that dark moment as an adult, the uh, Galatians 6, 2, you know, that we're to bear one another's burdens and so mm-hmm. fulfill the law of Christ. I had convinced myself that I had to bear my own burdens, uh, that no, I wasn't supposed to let other people in, other believers in, you know, into those hard places. Um, so coming out of that, God God helped me to see that verse, Galat- that Galatians 6, 2, yep. to let other believers in that we're not meant to do life alone, you know, that we're supposed to to help each other, encourage each other. And, and, you know, there may be moments where I help you bear a load and then in the, in turn, there's going to be those moments where you help me. So I think um, going through that season, just really opened my eyes up to, I don't have to, to keep all this inside. Yeah, uh, I don't have to hide it. I can, I can, there are trusted people in my life that God has put there that, that will help me bear this load. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So you were learning some of some of these things and going through that and making your faith your own. But where did you go after that? Like after when you graduated high school, where'd you go? Yep. So I graduated high school and I uh, went to the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. I have to throw that in there for anyone <laughs> oh, that, that knows that. I told you I had, had all the experiences, <laughs> and uh, but I don't know if we ever had a Roll Tide in here. So that's good. I've, I have had people from Alabama. I love that. I say that with love. Um, So (laughs) I did go to the University of Alabama, graduated with a child development degree. I actually met my husband Uh while we were in college. He, this will be another conversation for another day, but he was in a Christian boy band. Um, That's how I know you just need to pause on that for a minute. Yes. First of all, there are Christian boy bands. Number one, (laughs) number two, which one? Like I got to know more about this. (laughs) So, okay. So the name of their band was P150. So for like Psalms 150. Okay. They, they were, yes. If you're imagining in your head. So was this like a boy band that sang songs about Jesus and danced? Yes. Yes, they were. (laughs) That's totally how it went down for them. That's how we met. I totally made fun of him. Like I dogged him so bad. I mean, I was just like, this is hilarious. It's so funny. Uh, they were at a, a Christian music festival that was going on all day. My youth pastor, uh, his wife could not go. She had gotten sick. So he called me to say, Hey, can you come on your way to Alabama? I know you're headed back to school and help minister to any girls that need counseling. Sure. I'll be happy to help with that. And then the, my husband and their, their band were there singing and it was the funniest thing I think. <laughs> I had ever seen or heard just the little, <laughs> just the little girls. I mean, they were, they were going nuts. Like they adored them. They adored them. And uh, yeah, he walked by me laughing and and we connected that way, but he didn't ask me for my phone number. He asked me for my email address. I, I was just like, what, what are we? Are we like back in the, you know, nineties <laughs> here? I don't know what's going on, but he went to the university of Alabama. And so the rest was history. Oh yeah, interesting. Okay, but if you want to hear their music, it is on Spotify. Oh, wait. So okay, yes. What, what was the name again? P P. So P one fifty. One fifty, and then the number yeah one five zero. Wow. You need to look up the song P one funky. Oh yeah. Okay, it's just certain- please go look up that song. You you've got to go listen to that. It'll be it will make your day. It will totally make your day. Two thousand one. <laughs> Classic. Okay. Well, I don't even know your husband. I don't don't feel right about just, you know, being mean to your husband since I don't even know him, but uh, this is is hilarious. Okay. Well, good for you snagging a Christian celebrity. That's great. I like that. They they almost went on tour with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Like they were close. (laughs) 
but they got beat out by a girl band. So <laughs> who like Zoe girl or somebody like that? I don't know. They didn't know who it was, but it was between, it was between them and then that girl band. So. Wow. Okay. I well, so I, so I'm a, I'm a huge, like I love Christian or I did back in the day, like nineties, yeah. but I'm more of a like Petra, uh, yeah. you know, guardian gotcha. kind of guy. Yeah. So anyway, more of a rock kind of thing. Um, okay. So anyway, anyway, so you meet your husband. That was great. That's very fascinating. Funny, funny story. Um, yeah. You're studying earlyhood child development. What did you want to do with that? Yeah. So my major goal in my life, I wanted to have my own daycare. Like that was like the, the top of the top for me, run my own daycare, my own preschool. I, I did get the opportunity to work at University of Alabama's child development program and in other programs. Um, but we did actually, we moved back to his hometown after we'd been married for a few years. And the opportunity came for me to have my own daycare. The lady that was running it there in town, she did not want to do anymore. She wanted to retire. And she said, hey, I see your background. Would you want to take this over? And I was like, oh, dream come true. I finally, I'm going to get to do this as a, I was in my mid twenties and I took it over and I ran it for one whole year. I did. I did it. I went hard for one whole year. And then I realized, wait, I I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do in my life. Uh, If I could just be honest and say, I loved the children. I loved creating curriculum, but the parents, the parents were something. They were were something else. Now at that time, I did not have my own children. I do have children now, so I kind of get it. But yeah, after a year of that, I was decided I needed to be something else when I grow up. So, <laughs> so and this was like your dream. You wanted to do it this. Was. It was my dream. I had prayed for that. I mean, I was one of those, like in high school, I knew probably by the time I was a junior in high school, I was going to go to college, get a degree, a child development degree and work with little kids. I loved it. Like, so I was set. I was determined. Yeah. Okay. So what did that do to you? Like, this was a thing that you wanted to do. You worked for it for a really long time. And then you're like, I got to get out of here. What'd that do to you? Because sometimes when dreams die, that can be hard. Man, yeah. That kind of, it threw me into this kind of loop. Like what, now what? Now what do I do? Did I get it wrong? You know, did I, did I mess up? There are a lot of questions Mm. going on. I was, when we let, when I let go of that daycare, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter at the time. Um, And so that was maybe, Mm a distraction of, okay, now I'm going to go into this role of, of motherhood. My husband did try to get me to, to join together with him in the world of mortgages. And uh, he had me go with him to a conference for one training. And I was like, if you want to stay married, I, (laughs) this is not where, where I'm supposed to be, but it, it did kind of throw me into this. Now what? Like, I just did not know where to go. I had never, I had never really seen myself as someone who would eventually be be a stay-at-home mom only. Um, and my mom was, and she was great at it. So it wasn't that I had a negative connotation to that. I had just never seen that for myself in my own life. So there was just this time where I just kind of had to wait. Like I didn't know where to go. You know, you sometimes you find yourselves in those moments like now what? And so I was just kind of in that season of, Okay, God. Now, now, what is it that you you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then it's uh, you know you mentioned earlier that your sort of dark night season, your daughter was two, so that's kind of right around there. Was that were these right. connected? To, like, connect those for me. Yeah. So, um, I had I had my daughter. She was she was uh, now around two years old. I believe in the midst of of that, after I had her, I was had dealt with some postpartum depression after having her, but I did not deal with it. Um, because in the, in that moment in my life, I didn't believe that anxiety or depression was real. I just thought, you know, I was one of those that was part of the church, you know, that okay. would say, Hey, yeah. right. I, well, we got to talk about that. Cause I, yeah. uh, I can't, I can't, that makes me crazy, but okay. So, because what, so why didn't you believe it was real? I, this, this here. So I thought it was, well, in the, the, what's the right word to say in the way that I grew up, you did not talk about problems. You, uh, you would just suck it up and move on. As my grandmother would say, she is, she is in her home of glory now in heaven, but she would just say, put your lipstick on and keep going, you know? So you just didn't really deal with things. But for me, I thought people were feeling sorry for themselves. They were whining, um, that they just needed, you know, and I would even say this, you know, just try harder, read your Bible more. You need to trust God more. You're not trusting God enough. 
you're not believing in his word enough. Um, you need to just do do more of what of what God tells us to do. And then if I, I really knew you well, my response to you would be, hey, you just need to suck it up, buttercup, and move on. Now, Eric, I, I know you study the scriptures and words. I'm pretty sure Jesus did not ever say <laughs> that phrase no. to anyone. <laughs> and so I, whenever I speak now, I do apologize. And I tell people, I'm sorry if anyone has ever said that to you. Mm. I'm so sorry. I just want to stand here and just apologize. And and I say that even today if, uh, to your listeners, if that's ever been spoken over you, I'm sorry. It it is a real struggle. Um, it's a real thing. And and God truly cares about it. And He loves you. And He wants us to come to bring all of our burdens, all of our weight, cast all our anxieties at His feet. So and His Word wouldn't say those things if it wasn't right. true. So why do we say that? Why have we all have we said those words that it's not real? Well, there's a really good answer for that. And the answer is our culture doesn't like it, right? Like we right. We, we don't like, we're very uncomfortable with displays of emotion that are uncomfortable, right? That are, that right. are not, that are not positive. Um, and even those, like sometimes we, you can't be too positive or too, you know, like there's some of that too. So, but particularly in, in the evangelical world, um, we have this sort of cultural Christianity, which Bible Belt is totally that, right? And uh, we just want everything to be good as if, if it's not, then uh, our faith is not good enough. And even some of that, yes. some of your language, right? It's like, well, you're not believing enough. You're not doing this. So one of the reasons I started this show, my friends, I just want to, I'm reiterating this for you because I want you to to hear it. The um, is because the dark night of the soul, as I call it, that's John of the cross. Mm-hmm. He wrote, wrote a book. He's, he's a 1500s saint, I guess I'll say, um, and others throughout the millennia. So going back have written about this, right? Like the, this is not unusual for God's people. Mm-hmm. It's just that as American Protestants who value productivity, who value looking good, who value, uh, you know, respect, whatever it is, uh, we've thrown it out. Right. And so mm-hmm. the dark night of the soul is a normal part of the journey. And it actually, um, God uses it to, yeah. to take us some place. So, yeah. um, my, my friend, Laura forehand says the desert can be beautiful. So the spiritual desert is one of the, wow. one of the metaphors, right. For this season of life, it's normal. You can get through it. Um, but it hurts and it's hard yeah. and it, God sometimes takes away identities from us. So what I want you to do is tell us that story, go into that about how, you know, you, you were, and what happened in that when yeah. you were in that season. And then um, I'll ask some questions about also what were your identities? What you had to let go of and who did you have to become as you were coming out of that? So take us in that story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, as I had said previously, I was a master of the mask. We were leading worship. I was running my business. Everything looked successful. Like I was uh, this, this uh, mask of perfection that I had it all together. You know, my daughter, you know, I was staying at home with her, making everything, you know, look and appear that it was just great that all, all this was perfect, but, but it wasn't I, on the inside. I was beginning to feel these different feelings on the inside. Like my heart would just race. It would just be pounding out of my chest. And I, I didn't know what was going on that scared me. You know, is this a heart attack? What is this? Mm. I can remember feeling breathless at times. I would be driving down the road and all of a sudden I could not breathe. You know, these attacks would just come over me. And I'd had to pull over on the side of the road to just try to get myself back, you know, in, in order. And so these attacks just started happening. I didn't tell anyone, didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell anybody because I was afraid of maybe I'm going to hear the same words that I said to someone else, maybe, you know, or are they going to reject me? Are they going to turn their back on me? You know, if, if I admit that I'm struggling, is God going to be able to still use me? I think that was another one that mm. really held me back. You know, um, this this lie that we believe sometimes, if you tell your struggles, if you admit that you don't have it all together, God can't use you anymore. He's yep. not gonna, gonna use you. And, and I think that was a big one for me. Um, and so I just continue to push it down, push it down, you know, and I, I was trying to, instead of dealing with the pain, I turned to trying to numb the pain. Uh, for me, the way I tried to numb it was through starving it. Um, I starved the pain. I did not eat. 
very much. I ate less than a thousand calories a day. Wow. I uh, worked out multiple hours of the day and I drank multiple gallons of water a day, just trying to starve the pain because it was so great. Uh, but also just trying to keep that, the look, you know, that outside look of perfection up because that was something that I felt like I could control. I felt like I kind of, you know, could keep people from a distance, you know, that they wouldn't ask for those in inward things. And uh, so I, that moved me into just depleting my body of every nutrient, you know, everything that it needed. And then this moved me into a place of, of dread and depression. I yeah. just felt like I was failing everywhere, just getting up to brush my teeth even, it would just be difficult because yeah. I just began to just pull away from purpose, pull away from thinking that I mattered, that I had anything to offer to this world, that I had just let God down, you know, that, that I was just such a disappointment to him. And so, I mean, just shame was just heaping upon me. Mm. And through all of this, I did find out that that I was pregnant. Um, and I remember my doctor, she was very gentle and kind with me. And I think I might have weighed close to 100 pounds at that point. And she said, Karis, for the sake of the baby, you has got to eat. I don't care if you eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Just eat. Wow. And so I, the mama bear instinct kicked in. Like, you know, mama bears will do whatever they can for their kids. Might not do it for ourselves, but we'll do it for our children. But if a doctor says you can eat donuts, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you eat donuts for breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I still love donuts to this day. And I did eat a lot. I ate some good, some vegetables in there too. Um, and I gained about eight pounds over about an eight week process, but I ended up having a miscarriage oh, and uh, that was the bottom. That was the bottom of the bottom for me. It was like the enemy came in and was just like, look what you did. Look at these lives that you're hurting. Uh, they would be, you're not needed. You're a burden. You're a bother. And, um, you know, it was in that moment in the bottom of that pit where I felt like I needed to just give up. It truly felt like God whispered into my soul, look up, look up. And when I looked up those lies of, hey, you're going to be alone, you're going to be rejected, were proven to be that lies. I wasn't alone. Uh, God loved me. He didn't leave me. He, he, he was in the pit with me and he pulled me up out mm -hmm. and he used my family, my pastor, counselor, a doctor, so many people. And that began a healing and restoration process of just truly knowing that through Christ, I am loved because he loves me, not because of anything that I do, not because I'm perfect or have that mask of perfection, but because of who he is and because he created me with a purpose and a hope and I can cling to him. And it, he reminded me, you know, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. And that gave me relief to know, Hey, we're going to have trouble. Yeah, It doesn't mean that, that I have caused this, but we can take heart because he's overcome. And so to know that I could cling to him because he had already overcome, that really began to help me in my own overcoming process. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that the the Lord is faithful to do that because he does, he does love you just because you are right. Like yeah. that's, that's the, the sort of parental aspect um, of that, but wow. Okay. So that's, so you had to, accept help. It sounds like yes. you had to accept that this was a reality and start talking about it. That's right. I had to accept help, help, excuse me. And I had to realize that help was not bad. Help was mm. right. Help was the right thing. You know, it, it, we go back to that Galatians six, two to let people help me bear the burdens, bear the load. And, um, you know, the counselor that, that I met with, she was actually a speaker at a conference that we were leading worship at. Um, and so God allowed our paths to cross and she lives in my town. Um, and so it just began to help bring me on this healing and restoration mm -hmm. process. My doctor was just helping me through some things where my yeah. brain was just out of balance and in my hormones. And um, so that help was life changing and life saving for me. Yeah, which is yeah. great. Friends, uh, I just want to iterate this for you. Uh, if you find yourself in a season like that, if you find yourself in a in a time when depression and anxiety and things like, I mean, you describe an anxiety attack. I've had those at a season, not, not kind of around the same time, 2013, kind of around in mm -hmm. there, uh, when it was, it's really hard and it's really scary and you're, yeah. and it feels physical and like you've got all these other things going on because of all the whatever hormones and things. Um, but that, 
is it's terrifying, right? It's yeah. it's really terrifying. So don't be afraid though to get some help if you need it, right? There's there's be, ask. Maybe your Christian friends aren't the ones to go to, but maybe a doctor, maybe yeah. you know a counselor. There's no shame in that, and there are plenty of Christian counselors and Christian uh, therapists who are willing to trust both the science and the and yes. and the faith part of it. Right? There is yeah. some faith part of it. So it's a lot of mindset that you you need to change, but that takes time. Anyway, I just wanted to encourage some our friends to to do that. Okay, so you go through this season. Now I asked you the question, and I want you to to think about this. What did you have to stop believing about who you were? What identities did you have that you had to let go of? And then what, what did the Lord tell you about yourself and what identities did he give you after that? So I I love that question. Um, I had to stop believing and I know I've said it maybe multiple times, but I had to stop believing that I had to do everything perfectly to be used by him. Um, you know, mm. I, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect and not make a mistake. Um, so I had to, that was an identity that I had to, to let go of that or and that pressure of be perfect. Don't make a mistake. Don't let anyone down. Don't fail. I yeah. did not want to, you know, I didn't want to well, be a failure. Okay. So this this is really interesting because I think it's partly cultural, partly evangelical culture thing. Why did you believe you had to be perfect? Man, I I think I believed I had to be perfect. I think two parts. First, I put that outward of perfection on myself because of my physical body, because of the Mm -hmm. cerebral palsy. I think that, Mm -hmm. but also um, I just think just growing up in the culture that I grew up in, it was all about doing all the doing, you know, you got to do this, right. Don't mess up. Don't make a mistake. So it was just that constant messaging. I think that's what it, those two yeah. things for me primarily. Yeah, I think so. I, and I, this maybe is not your case, but I think I've seen other people uh, too. There's a sort of Christian ease to this idea of you got to be, you got to live up, live right, live, you know, do the, do the right things. Um, or God doesn't like, can't trust you. Right. Like those. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I thought he would be mad at me. I thought God right. was going to be mad at me. Right. And that was constantly what I went to back to. Don't be mad at me. Don't yeah. be mad at me. Yeah. I literally had this conversation with a friend the other day um, asking, you know, if Jesus was a carpenter, right. Mm. What? Okay, there's a there's a saying among car. I don't know if he was actually working with wood. It could have been stone, just to, from whatever. But that's not really important. But even anybody who's built anything learns the phrase the hard way: uh, measure twice, cut once. Right? Like, did Jesus ever have to remake a right. a, a brick or a law a piece of wood or whatever? Did he ever have to do that because he didn't? Because he got it and then he missed it? Or who? Like, and that exercise of contemplating that. Mm-hmm whole scenario. I mean, he was human, right? Yeah. But making a mistake does not equal sin, right? That's good. And That's so right. what so you have to we have to kind of um like there's things we can meditate on there to to figure mm-hmm. that out. But I think sometimes they get conflated okay. and that can be can be tough. So I was wondering if that was something that you had struggled with or maybe brought into it. And that's one thing you have to let go. And then yeah. Okay. So who did he tell you that you are? Like, what was your, what were some identity pieces that you adopted during that season? Um, he told me that I was his daughter. He reminded me that I was his daughter. He told me, um, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I know I go back to that a lot. And I think that's because he, he had to put that into me, um, that, that he told me that, he, he told me that I was loved, no strings attached, you know, mm-hmm. unconditionally loved. And that was big for me, that there was no strings attached to it, um, that he just loved me. And he loved me as I was, but he loved me enough not to keep me there. He loved me to help me to grow, sure. you know. There is a verse, and I cannot think of, of the actual scripture. I think it's in First Peter uh, about the gifts that we all have, that we have these gifts to use to encourage the body. And uh, I had, you know, so he was helping me to see 
that he had put gifts and talents inside of me that mm. that no one else had and that they were needed in this world, you know, right now to help build up the body of Christ, to help yep. bring others in. Um, so I think those pieces were really important for me. But I, he he needed me to see that the love he had for me uh, and the gifts that he had he had already, you know, he had given me hadn't they were not attached to what I could do, what I could or could not do. Uh, I put a lot of my worth in in what I was able to do. Um, so he was pulling that away from me to, so that I would lean in and trust in him, trust in his strength. You know, I didn't have to be in control. I didn't have to fly the plane. Like he, mm -hmm. he had the pilot seat under control. I wasn't supposed to be the pilot. You know, I'm sitting here in the co-pilot and, and letting go of control. If you're someone that is a control freak, I'm, I'm recovering. I'm still working on it. Um, <laughs> That was that was big for me that I could release control and everything was still going to be okay. Like the you know the things that we think that we can control, we cannot. We cannot control those things. It's true. Uh, see, but do you know that released so much pressure for me in my life? Even as I was just saying that to you, I just took a big deep breath. Yeah. Um, that I was not in control. He was in control, and I could trust him. I could Absol trust him. Absolutely. I think a lot of times. Uh, I mean, it really is at war with the idea of being present, right? Like, mm. so, but I don't know, this gets, this is sort of a philosophical thing, right? But sometimes I mean, we can't, we try to live in the past. We try to live in the future. We try to plan and you have to do those things like, like scripture is full of that stuff too, right? Hey, count the cost before you go, right. you know, that makes sense. Um, but all we can do actually is live in the present, right? Even if we're mm. making plans, right? Sometimes yeah. And so, but learning to do that and trust God with the results, I believe it's a partnership. We have, we have yeah. a partnership with God. Uh, we show up and we do our part and we let God do his part and he is yeah. responsible. This is the way sanctification works in our own spirits. We, we show up, we show up for prayer and we show up for different practices, whatever they are, but God does the work. And yeah. um, we just, we, there's a, there's a, that's kind of critical in the spiritual journey, right? That's kind of what we have yeah. learned and you learned it through yeah. this really hard time. Okay. So that sounds like it inspired some different um, actions for you and some different kind of maybe purpose for you. What would take, take us yeah. where, that, where, you, where you went from there? Yeah. So uh, as all that was happening and, and God was working, you know, I, a friend of mine, we had a play date for our daughters and she was asking me how I was after all this had happened. And I said, you know, it was that moment where I could say, hey, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, put the mask back on or be honest. And so I told her, hey, I'm, I've been struggling with some anxiety and depression. And with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and said, you too. I was like, yeah, me too. And so God kind of used that moment for me to realize, hey, we got to talk about this. We have got to talk more, you know, about how he, that those struggles are real, but there is real hope. We don't have to stay there. There are, you know, we can work through, we can overcome. And so that kind of began me on this journey of becoming a speaker, sharing my story, sharing, you know, things I have learned, some practical skills that are grounded in biblical truth that we can apply, that faith and mental health, actually, they go together. They're not separate. They go, you know, together. And so that began to happen. And so I started traveling and speaking and People begin to ask, hey, do you have any resources? Do you have any books? And I never thought about writing a book ever <laughs> in my life. It yeah. was not like, you know, this top 10 thing, you know, that I wanted to do. Uh, so I kind of took it to the Lord in prayer. If I was honest with you, I really fought him on it. Like, are you sure about this? Are you sure I'm the right one? And it came back to that place of trust and surrender uh, of him just saying, just, just trust me and, and go. And I actually started out with a little 10 day devotional in 2018 on the topic of anxiety. And uh, people said, Hey, when will you write more? <laughs> I was like, Lord, one book, the deal was just one book. Okay. But he was like, no, I, there's more here. Uh, and so it moved into an adult version. Anxiety elephants was the name of it. And it came out December, 2019. And then 2020 happened. And, uh, you know, the world shut down and, uh, I know there was a, a, a pandemic going on in the physical realm, but I feel like there was a pandemic of anxiety that took over, Yeah. um, you know, God and his faithfulness just began to open doors and, and use that book. I, I still, I get speechless over, over some of the things that he did. And, but that led into other books coming out, um, 
versions for for tweens. But then it brought me into this place where people asked for um, a children's book, a children's picture book on the same idea. Uh, and that takes me back kind of full circle to that child development degree, working with children, you know, and just this idea of if we can help our tweens, help our teens and kids now learn how to deal with those big emotions, those big feelings of anxiety, for example, and not wait till they're an adult yeah. to train them up right now, you know, how much more prepared are they going to be? And I, I just am so thankful that God just began to kind of open my eyes and reveal that to me because I was speaking to adults and waiting for them to get there when if we could head them off at the pass, you know, or if we could equip them now uh, at their young ages, I just think to myself, what a difference that would make for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two things I always wish that we our schools were better at. And I guess as parents, we're supposed to be doing this stuff, but it is emotional education, right? And emotional understanding, um, which let's be honest, the American Evangelical Church is not real good at, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we tend to uh, prioritize the head, prioritize the mind, and maybe the spiritual in a way that we're almost Gnostic, that we kind of think that there's the spiritual is good and the, everything else is bad, which is yeah. also untrue and unbiblical. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, we need that. But then we also need like financial education, which we don't have to talk about. But that kind of is right, like right. those things, like there's certain basic life skills. I agree. Yeah. And <laughs> emotional understanding is one of those things. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you know, and just the brain is amazing. And when you go in and you learn about the brain and you learn about why we have our fight, flight or freeze or what is actually happening when we hit an anxiety attack, you know, so that it doesn't, you know, scare, it scares us as an adult. Just imagine what happens to children when they experience that. So if we can give them vocabulary, if we can give them practical skills, you know, why yep. take deep breaths? Why use your senses to ground you in your present moment. You know, why is gratitude so powerful and a natural yep. built in anxiety blocker? So if we can teach kids these things and then, you know, in the faith world, I know sometimes it's interesting, you know, they're like, well, where is this in scripture? Well, we can find so many scriptures on <laughs> gratitude and how, you know, God breathed his breath to create humans. That to me shows a powerful thing behind breathing, you know, and just community, all of these things. Um, if we can begin to teach our children the practical steps in doing this, just how much more they're going to be prepared. I remember as a teenager, test anxiety. Oh my goodness, yeah. it was so real. If I would have known how to take deep breaths before I took my driver's test, I probably wouldn't have failed the first time. You know what I mean? Like, I would have been a little more calm. And when the instructor said turn left, I wouldn't have turned right. Like it would have yeah. been so much better. So, right. Oh man, absolutely. I get that. Well, okay. So uh, very interesting. And I love that uh, the Lord has taken this thing and said, okay, we're, we went through this experience, but now we're going to, we're going to do something with it. Yeah. And it became kind of your mission to help others. Great for you. I love this, uh, this idea. Where'd you get that? Idea? What, where anxiety elephants? Like, so this is, there's yeah. an elephant on my chest for kids and your anxiety elephants is some of your other work. Like yeah. what, where'd that idea come from? Come from? So I, when I would speak and I, I would keep in mind that I knew there was probably some people in the audience that had never experienced an anxiety attack. Mm. And so I would give the visual of it feeling like elephants on your chest, you know, that, that it felt like that massive weight. Um, and those of you who know Alabama football or college football, our mascot is an elephant. So it has nothing to do oh. with the mascot, nothing to do with <laughs> Big Al, like absolutely nothing. It has everything to do with how that weight feels so heavy. Right. It is just massive. And so kind of when I began on this journey of what am I going to write about? It was like that visual was brought instantly back to me, the anxiety elephants. And when people hear that, they're like, oh yeah, it that is how it feels. It does feel heavy. Or if they've never experienced it, then they understand, wow, that is heavy. Right. That is heavy. And I'm like, exactly. That's so, a lot to carry, right? And yeah, so you, that's right. You, you can't run this fast or far. That's right. All those things. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I love that. All right. So the, the picture book is there's a elephant on my chest and That's that comes out, uh, probably it'll be out by the time this is out for sure. Yeah. Um, and then also I noticed that you have uh Carline mom devotional coming out as well, right? I do. So Carline mom devotional, uh, it'll be out end of August of 2023. Um, that's coming out with B and H and Lifeway. And that just was a 
that was a little surprise from the Lord. I never knew that I would write other, other things. And so as a mom who lives my life in my car a lot, uh, you know, <laughs> yep. getting everybody everywhere they need to go, you know, moms can feel overwhelmed, overstressed. Maybe they also feel over it. Okay. Like they're just like, <laughs> I cannot do no more. I can't do more goldfish. I can't do more things, you know, and they're just trying to find those moments to spend time with the Lord. And so that's kind of where Carline Mom devotional what came about. It's just to find those moments, those pockets of time where God just wants to encourage. He wants to speak life over us. And so there are lots of stories in there just from my own life in the car line or my life with my my children and just moments that we can learn from that. It's a hundred day devotional and um, it's going to be out right around when school starts. So I, I'm really yeah. excited about that one. I love that. Okay. And that's your, that's your podcast as well. Carline Conversations. That's right. Carline Conversations. And I literally, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. I, I, I record my podcast in my car. <laughs> Uh, while I'm in car line, I, I know it's not the best technical setup, but it is real life. So that's right. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Sometimes being consistent with your idea, with your overall thing is the right thing to do, even though I'm like speaking into my very expensive microphone or whatever right now. Like I, I get it. But uh, but sometimes that's the right thing. Right. So, hey, this is the thing for us in the car. Uh, yeah. Like you're kind of even if it's like a whatever. A, you can hear traffic or whatever it is, right? You can, that, yes. That yes. actually adds to the credibility and adds to the thing that you're doing. So I, I love that. I think it's great. Um, okay, well, I love it. Karis, thanks so much for sharing some of your story. Absolutely. It, we, we laughed, we, we cried, we uh, talked about anxiety. It was great. I appreciate you, you being here. Uh, friends, you can get everything at halfwaythereapodcast.com and make sure you go and uh, check out Karis's website, which is karissnyder.com that's c-a-r-i-s snyder with an i so uh links are at halfwaythepodcast.com karis is there anything you want to leave us with i just want to say hey friends if you feel alone you're not alone god loves you and there is hope amen you are not alone friends absolutely others have gone through this and uh you can you can get the help you need i love it karis thanks for being here i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me